When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Monday, November 22nd, and you're tuned into the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga, joined by Paul Hoynes. Hoynes, on Friday, Cleveland's baseball team officially became the Guardians uh, with much fanfare and much activity down at the ballpark as uh, fans lined up, bought Guardians gear, uh, hats, caps, T-shirts, the social media handles all changed over. Then uh, the sign outside the team shop crashed to the floor. (laughs) Uh, And then later on in the day, the ball club made a series of moves and totally reshaped its 40-man roster. Uh, It was a pretty eventful weekend for Cleveland baseball, even though nothing really happened on the field. It was still a a pretty significant Friday for this team. Yeah, definitely. And uh, Joe, when uh, the sign fell down, I'm glad I wasn't under that thing. (laughs) Well, I, I, like I told a couple of people on Twitter, I was like, uh, it was pretty suspicious. We were in the team shop and I didn't, didn't see where Hoynesy was for about 10 minutes. Uh, didn't know if there was some sabotage going on, but no, it was uh, a lot of people wanted to make that into something that it wasn't, you know, some sort of big ominous sign. It was really more of a, an architectural failure than anything else. They, they were attaching the sign to uh, some masonry outside the, the ballpark and it crashed. But of course, all the national feeds picked it up and said, oh, this is, this is an ominous sign. Uh, the first day the Guardian's name is being used and all of a sudden signs are crashing at the ballpark, you know, typical Cleveland. I just, I felt terrible for all the people who worked so hard to make this changeover for the brand. And, you know, this is going to go down and be, be remembered as, you know, like one of those days when the river caught on fire in Cleveland. Yeah, that's uh, that's a good way of putting it, Joe. Uh, Cause you know, you know, what they had, like over 700 people, you know, go through the team shop and buy gear. Over 2,000 items were purchased. You know, they had, uh, the people were lined up around the ballpark before the doors opened. So there is interest. Uh, we're always going to have that tug of war between, you know, the Indians name and, and the, the new name, the Guardians. But, you know, in years to come, hopefully that subsides and we can just concentrate on baseball. Yeah, whether you're a fan of the name change or not, uh, you know, it's here, it's it's done. Uh, you got to move forward with it. What, what did you think of uh, when you walked into that team shop for the first time and saw some of this Guardians gear and saw the people, you know, snatching it up off of the off of the racks there? Yeah, I liked it. I, I thought, you know, there was a wide variety, uh, you know, and the colors are so so similar to the Indians, you know, in the lettering, 
the script on on a lot of the uh, merchandise. If you look quick, you just you think it is the Indians. So you know, and that was uh, done by design. Uh, but I, I liked the stuff. I really did. I liked the gear. Yeah, it was it was neat. There there will definitely be some uh, some Christmas presents uh, bought and sold uh, over the next couple of weeks. And I think Tuesday is when you'll start seeing the the items in uh, stores like Dick's and Rally House uh, around Northeast Ohio. So. Uh, there will be opportunities to buy it, it there. Uh, but, you know, that wasn't the, the only news or even the biggest news uh, for this ball club on Friday. Uh, Friday was the deadline for teams to set their 40-man rosters for the, uh, the upcoming uh, Rule 5 draft. So any el- uh, Rule 5 eligible prospects, uh, generally high school players drafted, I believe, in uh, 2017 or, uh, and um, – uh, college prospects drafted in 2018, I believe, are the ones that were uh, exposed. Uh, so there, there were some some really talented uh, players that are in the uh, the club's uh, minor league system that needed to be elevated to the 40 man roster. Uh, were there any surprises among this um, this first group? And I'm gonna I'm gonna run through them real fast, and then then you tell me who really stands out there. Uh, they selected from AAA Columbus. Outfielder Stephen Kwan, right-hander Cody Morris, and infielder Richie Palacios uh, from AA Akron. They took uh, they elevated Tyler Freeman, Brian Lavastida, Connor Pilkington, Brian Rocchio, Jose Tania, and George Valera. And uh, from Lake County, high A, so this guy's never played uh, above high A ball, uh, John Kenzie Noel uh, also elevated uh, to the – Forty man roster. And that was like I don't think there was any surprises there, but uh, the sweeping change of it that that they really you know added all those guys in one fell swoop. I think that was the change. You know, eleven guys because there was also what they they added to Tobias Myers in a right. deal with Tampa Bay. So it that was a cavalry charge. I've never seen anything like that. Yeah, uh, a, a wide percentage of their their roster just changed or their their 40 man roster just changed over. Uh, and, and the majority of those players are under the age of 25. This is, this is now um, gotta be by far the youngest 40 man roster in all of baseball. Yeah. And uh, I think that's, <clears throat> it was a 28% change in the roster, you know, and the guys <clears throat> that got dropped, you know, are familiar with the, you know, Cleveland fans, you know, Daniel Johnson, Harold Ramirez outfielders, and the bullpen in the, in the, in the pitching staff, uh, Garza, Mejia, Moss, uh, Nelson, and Young were all, you know, uh, DFA'd. Yeah, and we can go through each of those guys uh, as, as they relate to the, you know, their performance on the 40-man roster uh, over the last couple of seasons here. But, I, you know, I just want to take a, a second to look at, at, at just this, these, this talent level that just came up uh, in terms of, You've got your your top prospects in the the organization now are are now on the forty man roster. That means the clock has started, and eventually these guys, you know, have to make some sort of showing in the major leagues. Uh, you're not going to be able to keep them down in the minors for for an extended period of time. I mean, guys like uh, Lavastida and uh, yeah, as a catcher, you know, that's a position where there's not a lot of depth in the organization right now. Uh, you're probably going to see him within, you know, if not this year, definitely next season. 
Yeah, well, for sure he'll be in, in spring training because they only have two catchers on the 40 man, him right. and Austin Hedges. So, you know, I would think, uh, you know, obviously they'll probably go out and, and, and get a free agent or make a trade for a more experienced catcher. But this guy is right on. The, he's, he's knocking on the door, Joe. He's, he's going he's gonna to be here, like you said, either later this, you know, later in the 2022 season or, you know, in, after the 2023 after that. And, and the reason that he's there is that that hit tool is, is starting to get more advanced and he's, he's able to, you know, hold his own uh, offensively. We'll, we'll see if, if he's got the, uh, the chops and, and what, uh, what Terry Francona likes about catchers, you know, the way he calls games uh, to be able to hang with the, uh, the major league club as well. But uh, anybody jump out at you in that group of, of guys that were elevated? Uh, obviously John Kenzie Noel, who, who had some injury struggles, but, you know, was, very high performing uh, in terms of I, you know, high OPS, uh, really a, a, a slugger, a way to a guy who can, you know, hit with power. Uh, he, he really showed what he was able to do in his limited time this season at high A. But you know, you're you're putting a guy on the the forty man roster who uh, you're you're probably expecting to to you know be able to get up to at least the high levels of the minors in the next couple of seasons. Yeah, you know, Noel. Uh, Rocio and Tanya, <clears throat> all three infielders, all 20 years old. Uh, Rocio and Tanya are, are switch hitters. Um, and, you know, just, I'm really excited to watch those guys. I, I've, I've seen, uh, I've seen Rocio, have not seen Tanya or uh, Noel. Noel's a what, first baseman, third baseman, mm -hmm. a big guy, you know, uh, and, uh, you know, just, you know, he really had a great year this past season. You know, had to he dealt with some injuries, uh, and I think they just did not want to take a chance of losing him. Uh, you know, they went through this with Santander uh, when Baltimore came in and got him in the 2016 um, Rule Five Draft when he was only 20 and coming off shoulder surgery. So uh, you know, I I think that <clears throat> struck a note with the front office and uh, Rocio Tanya. You, I don't think you could ignore. Right. Yeah, Tanya. Uh tore it up in the Arizona fall league uh, this past, uh, you know, you know, month or so. And Rocchio uh, did the same down in uh, Venezuela as he was playing in the Venezuelan winter league. Uh, he has since stopped and is now focusing on, uh, you know, training for the upcoming season. All right. Uh, there will be plenty more to talk about uh, with this, uh, this group here and these guys uh, moving forward and, and the moves that were made, uh, we'll, we'll be able to get into that more as the week goes on. Uh, but we wanted to uh, shift our focus now for the rest of today's show uh, over to Bobby Bradley. Uh, he's the latest in our series of 40-man uh, roster players. Uh, it's Bobby Bradley Day here on the show. Uh, so we're going <laughs> to talk about uh, Bradley, who had, uh, you know, probably not the season he was uh, hoping or expecting coming out of spring training, but uh, eventually – you know, wound up uh, showing that, uh, you know, maybe the Indian or maybe as the Indians, uh, maybe Cleveland made uh, a, a terrible miscalculation uh, coming out of spring training when they they kept uh, Jake Bowers at first base. And uh, because Bobby Bradley had options, they sent him uh, to the minors. He missed maybe the first two months of the season uh, before being uh, brought up from AAA and, and really sort of, uh, you know, sort of finding his way as an everyday player there at first base. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, he, 
You know, he opened the year at, at Columbus, <clears throat> you know, was really so-so at Columbus, hit 196 there. He did hit nine home runs, drove in 19 runs. Uh, June 5th, he comes up. You know, they finally cut the cord with Jake Bowers, uh, DFA'd him and opened first base uh, for Bobby Bradley. And I remember Francona saying, he's not up here to ride the bench. He's up here to play and play every day. He got that chance. And uh, it was kind of a mixed bag, Joe. I mean, we saw the power that he that he's had. You know what? He, he had 208, 16 home runs, 41 RBIs. We also saw that the high strikeout percentage. Right. Uh, in terms of percentile rankings, uh, 92 uh, percent, uh, 92nd percentile in exit velocity. So when Bobby Bradley swings and connects, uh, the ball goes uh, a long way. And that that's in keeping with what we saw of him in the minors at uh, AAA. This was a guy who had had pretty much exhausted everything that AAA had, could could teach him. Uh, he, he's he's established himself as a as an elite power hitter at that level. Uh, did it translate over into the big leagues? Yeah. When when he hit the ball, it went a mile. Uh, it was like you said the uh, the high strikeout rate. That was uh, you know ninety nine strikeouts in. Uh, 245 at bats, 279 plate appearances. Uh, his walks were were pretty uh, respectable, though. 25 walks. Uh, that, that's you know not terrible for a guy who who swings and misses as much as he does. It's uh, it's just a matter of you know the approach that he takes, and we saw maybe a few times he would look like he was taking the ball to to left center field, uh, hitting line drives that way, and you know it, it always reminded me and I know it reminds you of when you know back when Jim Tomey was going going really well and hot at the plate uh you know his that power alley to left center field was was where he would hit the ball Bobby Bradley you know when he's going well I'm not comparing the two I'm just saying sort of like that when he's going well that's also where he can get a number of hits yeah and yeah. uh you know like Tomey that's how when Tomey came up that's where he hit the ball that's where you know that's where his his swing was kind of grooved to to it. And then with working with Charlie Manuel, he learned to turn on the ball. And, you know, that's why he's in the Hall of Fame today. I mean, sure. he, he learned to turn on the ball and maybe Bobby will do that, be, be able to do the same thing. You know, and, I, and you look at it, Joe, I mean, he struck out 40% of the time. This is in the big leagues. But if you combine his AAA and, and, and big league numbers, that, he hit 25 home runs. And, you know, so if he's in the lineup, you know, from day one, maybe gets 500 to, you know, 530 at bats, you know, you could, you could almost live with that high strikeout rate if, as long as he, it doesn't get completely out of control because he's got the power. Right. And I, I we'll get into expectations and what will be a good season for Bobby Bradley here in a second. Uh, but, you know, first I want to, you know, I talk about he's uh, not arbitration eligible until 2025 earliest. He could be a free agent is 2028. I believe he still has uh, an option as well. No, he's out of options, Joe. Is he, is he out of options? Okay. Yeah. Uh, so he has 144 days of major league service time uh, out of options coming into the the season. Uh, you know, it's this is this is the time for him to step into this role. Uh, otherwise, uh, do you do you think the club is going to pursue um, perhaps a trade? I, I've seen, uh, you know, Matt Olson is a, a name that's out there in. in um, the, the fire sale that is sure to happen out of Oakland uh, could, could they maybe 
uh, be talking about bringing in another first baseman there. Is this going to be his spot for, for the foreseeable future? You know, it's certainly an interesting name, you know, and, uh, you know, Matt Olson, you know, is going to, I think uh, the A's are looking for a big pay, you know, a big return for him. I think Olson, you've got him for two more years of control. Uh, so, you know, all that weighs into, into it, but I'm sure the Indians are, you know, they are, every team casts a wide net at this time of year. And I'm sure the Indians have explored that. Uh, you know, I just got the impression from talking to uh, Chris Antonetti at the end of the season that, you know, they kind of had made a commitment to, to Bradley, but that was before, you know, Oakland kind of, you know, uh, sent out, uh, raised a white flag and said, yeah. we're starting over. Before, before they put the sign out in the front yard that says open yeah, for business. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, and also another name to think about, Josh Naylor, uh, who also plays first base. You know, if he's able to work himself back into uh, any sort of health and, and be available, uh, he might be a guy uh, that, that could take at-bats away from, from Bobby Bradley at first base. The only problem there is uh, Naylor also a, a left-handed bat. Uh, but, uh, you know, just looking at what Bobby Bradley did well, uh, his – his isolated power, his OPS plus, his slugging percentage, these, these are all the numbers of a young and budding, uh, you know, slugger, power hitter, the, the kind of guy that could, could settle in behind Fran Mill Reyes, uh, you know, and hitting from the left side uh, really gives, gives Terry Francona what he looking, he's looking for, uh, you know, in, in terms of uh, balance to the lineup and uh, protection for a guy like Fran Mill. Definitely, uh, Joe. And <clears throat> what impressed me about uh, Bradley is as soon as he came up, he started to hit. You know, he had 240, uh, 10, 10 home runs, 20 RBIs in the first half, uh, hit 254 <clears throat> in June with eight homers and 17 RBIs. So he was hot when he got here. And, uh, you know, I think he really kind of established himself early and got his confidence going. Well, and he was he was hot out of spring training. He was probably uh, Cleveland's hottest hitter in spring training, and that's what made the decision to go with uh, you know Jake Bowers coming out of uh, training camp sort of uh, you know so a little bit surprising uh, is that you know of the two, Bobby Bradley was was definitely having the better camp, but again, uh, those those options you know always play into it. Now he's in that position coming out of camp now is that you have to keep him on the roster. Otherwise you expose him and there's sure to be a team that, that snatches him up. Uh, as far as where Bobby Bradley needs to improve, he can always improve defensively, but you know, what we saw out of him uh, this past season was he, he, he did actually play a pretty decent first base. Yeah. I, I really, <clears throat> I had no problem with the way he played first. Uh, he dug balls out of the dirt. You know, he, he made, he made some nice scoops. I, I thought he was solid defensively. I really did. Yeah, and, and in a season where uh, Framil Reyes was getting stolen bases, uh, Austin Hedges picked up a stolen base this year. Uh, Bobby Bradley, I believe, is the only the only player, the only guy who got regular at bats on the team uh, that didn't have a stolen base this year. Uh, I talked to him about that at one point, and he said that he's working with Sandy Alomar, that he, he talks to him all all the time, and that that one of these times Sandy's going to get him a steal. Uh, it, it's just a matter of, uh, you know, finding the right time and, and making sure it makes sense. You know, and I, if you remember, Joe, he hurt his knee on, on a play at the plate, his left knee. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, he came back with, for that, 
But, uh, you know, I don't think he was ever – I don't. that may have bothered him in the second half, especially in the second half because, you know, this is a guy that hit 240 in the first half, then 184 in the second half after the break. So, you know, I, I think he was still kind of working his way through that. Yeah, that uh, it's a good point. Uh, I believe we talked to DeMarlo Hale, and he talked about how uh, the knee that it was that was injured was the the back knee, uh, the the left knee, the drive leg for him, and that that was uh, you know sort of maybe causing him a few problems. Uh, you know, it, it it'll come. I'm sure when he comes into camp healthy, uh, he's he's still a guy who can who could potentially be a, a 30 home run guy, and that's what I wanted to talk about here. Uh, what would be a good season? What would be a good expectation for Bobby Bradley in the 2022 season uh, if given that he stays healthy and, and plays the entire, you know, uh, the, the full 162 games? Yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, you, you probably you're, you're close right there. I think what if he hits 240, you know, 25 to 30 home runs, 80 to 90 RBIs, you know, uh, doesn't I mean, kind of. <laughs> Controls, he, his, controls the strike zone, that, that would be a great season for him. Yeah, if he does that and, and stays maybe around 120 strikeouts, something like that, uh, I, I would say that's an overwhelmingly successful season for Bobby Bradley, uh, it, the numbers that you, you just put out there. So, uh, yeah, for sure, uh, it, it's going to be Bobby Bradley at first base unless this club goes and makes some, some big move or some big change. Uh, and, uh, you know, maybe commits prospects to a trade and bring somebody else in, you're going to see Bobby Bradley playing pretty much every day over there at first. Yeah, and uh, <clears throat> I think, uh, you know, but the one thing that, that kind of got overlooked last year, he, he had 286 with runners in scoring position. So, you know, that, that's kind of – and he's hitting in the middle of the lineup, you know, usually, you know, fifth or sixth. Uh, so, you know, if he can – you know, I know that's kind of a fluky stat sometimes, you know, it can go up and down from year to year, but that's a good indication that he, that he can cut, you know, that he, that he concentrates and hits well with, with, with guys in, you know, on second and third base. Is he, is he platoon proof though? Is he a guy who they're going to, you know, leave out there maybe and, and start him against the lefty once in a while, or are we going to see more of a, uh, of a Yu Chang over at first base, if that's a possibility? Yeah, that's a great point. I think, uh, you know, he has to improve against lefties. Uh, he hit 162 against lefties last year, uh, 31 Ks and 68 at-bats, uh, 226 against righties. But, uh, you know, yeah, he, he might be, uh, you know, that, that platoon might be come into play there. If he's going to have to, if he wants to get 500 at-bats, he's going to have to hit left-handers. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, uh, we've got uh, a good lineup for the rest of this week uh, in terms of prospects and uh, 40-man players that we're looking at on the roster. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll have some, some shows here uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, and uh, probably Thursday and Friday as well. Uh, looking forward to that. Uh, our Subtext subscribers have given us a good list of, of names to go on on the 40-man, and we'll get more into some details about uh, these moves and and these prospects and, and also who, uh, who could be exposed and taken off of Cleveland's, uh, um, you know, farm system in, in the rule five draft. They're uh, an organization that, that could lose a bunch of players just based on uh, the talent level that they have. Yeah, definitely. It's going to be really interesting. Uh, 
I don't know, Joe, they, they put 11 guys on the 40, man. How, how deep can your farm system be? Well, and there are also, you know, a few other names, guys who were uh, draft picks from, from years past and also guys that were acquired in trades and uh, guys that were injured, like, uh, like a Joey Cantillo, you know, yeah. injured most of the season. And, and he was one of the, the, the prized possessions in that Mike Clevenger trade. So, you know, he's a name who, who might, might draw some interest, but in, it's always a possibility. All right. Uh, we will catch you again tomorrow here on the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. Hoinsie, good to, good to talk to you. All right, Joe.